Here's a bit of e-commerce trivia. <laughs> Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? Or that if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, 2 out of 3 won't return? Not showing the default local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your e-commerce bounce rate. And if you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must, and the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. Here's why. It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and shows them their correct currency, so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. And of course, it also syncs real-time with currency databases too, so it's always up to date. But it has a few other neat tricks as well, such as rate padding. So if you set it to sync real-time rates, but want to pad the conversion by a few percent eh, to make a little for yourself, you can do that too. It also supports vanity pricing, which I think is neat. So if you want all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. And it's got all those features, but best of all, it's free. So I can't even offer you a special extended trial, because there isn't one. Just go to the App Store and search Bold Multicurrency. That's bold multi-currency in the App Store. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder... SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording on a beautiful summer day in Skokie, Illinois, high atop Westfield Old Orchard Mall's professional building. Very lovely outside, a beautiful, uh, I think it's like 90 degrees with 90% humidity. It's actually not that fun. A little sticky, a little sweaty, you can chew the air. Uh, But I am here today with a wonderful Shopify merchant. Oh, I love, I love talking to Shopify merchants. And he has a tremendous story to share because he bootstrapped a business. If you don't know what bootstrapping means, that means he didn't borrow any damn money to do it. He bootstrapped a business from zero to 250,000 pounds. Yes, we have an Englishman here in just two years. And he's going. To, he's had this tremendous focus on maintaining long-term focus and continually reinvesting profits and building a solid foundation. Worse yet for him, he is in an incredibly saturated market and not selling private label goods. He's selling other stuff and his other people's stuff and is it still wildly successful. I've been following him on Twitter. Really interesting guy. I want to welcome to the show Tom Brown, a UK-based entrepreneur and self-described life tinkerer, obsessed with self-development, self-experimentation, and the constant pursuit of longevity and innovation. 
especially around health. And with that, Tom, what is the name of your store? Hey, Kurt, name of the store is Posted Protein. Oh, I did not realize they were both. I went to the UK <laughs> one. Uh, I think they both go to the same place. Oh, that would answer it. Uh, so what does Posted Protein sell? So Posted Protein, we sell largely protein bars. Um, that's kind of where we started just over two years ago. We've slowly built out the range uh, to include things like protein powders, pre-workouts, any sort of nutritional supplement, and moving more and more into food as well. And you, prior to, well, let's, let's establish something here. How old are you? I am 26, 26. 27 end of this year. We have a young man with a successful e-commerce business. I am thrilled to see it. I'm 35. I started working for myself almost 10 years ago, well, 10 years ago. And uh, every day I feel I wake up feeling like I only just figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can definitely imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, yeah. Because you, you learn a little more. And every time you do that, Constantly. you go, Oh, like I didn't realize what I didn't know. So as long as you keep that that learning, it helps. But yeah, all right, that's definitely been the last two years. It's just slowly figuring things out. And yeah, uh, definitely looking you know back what? and realizing how many mistakes we made. It's yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, that's <laughs> never going to change. Every no. <laughs> like, Facebook uh, this morning was like, oh, this is your most commented post from two years ago it, during that year, and it was when we I posted about closing on our house, and it feels like it simultaneously feels like yesterday and forever ago, yeah. and just that. It's like, man, we just did two years ago. That's not that long, but so much has happened since then, and a lot of it's just like, to your uh, to your point and your your when I introduced you is you've got this focus on self experimentation and innovation, and I think that is a a phenomenal mindset. Um, but we'll get into it. Okay, sure. so two years ago, Pro- Posted Protein got started, right? It did. Yeah. What were you doing before that? So before that, I actually used to work as a aircraft mechanic um, up at Heathrow in London. Hmm. Um, yeah, completely different than what I'm doing now. Um, always kind of been involved in entrepreneurship and trying to sell things, whether that was through eBay or I used to have a, a Squarespace shop that would just sell stuff on the side. Um, and really, it just it became I was making protein bars just for myself. You know, I used to pay a fortune just to buy them out from the US. And, you know, we we're paying like forty pounds for a box of bars. It was a little bit insane. So I kind of just started making them in my own kitchen, well, my mom's kitchen. Um, yeah, and started taking them down the gym. And slowly they kind of built up to the point friends were trying to buy them. Um, started selling those online. Yeah, and then slowly over a period of about sort of six months, I suppose, um, that built up. We kind of built a small brand around it. It was doing really well. We got up to about sort of 200 bars a day. Um, and that, that really goes up where I, mean, I was still doing this at my mom's kitchen. I could not figure out how to scale it. Yeah, we, went, we went to contract manufacturers. We were trying to figure out you know, how do we take the recipe, it's just me, trying to figure out how do we take the recipe we got and scale that into something that you know, we, we could actually sell thousands of units of as opposed to a couple hundred a day. Um, and yeah, the, the response from any contract manufacturer in the UK was literally, it was just 100,000 bars or nothing. And even at that point, there were compromises on ingredients. There were, there were just compromises all around. Um, I actually went to Los Angeles to talk to a contract manufacturer there. And then we had all the issues with customs and trying to get things across the pond before, you know, perishable goods. They had a six-month shelf life on them. Yeah, it, be- it became a fun challenge. So, yeah, I kind of put that on the back burner and just took a few months out to really figure out how do I reverse it and kind of build the platform first, you know, which then became Posted Protein. And then how do we maybe come back in a year or two? You know, at this point, we're two years later and we still haven't done it. But how do we go back and then produce those products to then sell through the platform and just reverse it completely? It's interesting the the pivots uh, that happened here along the journey, but it always starts for a lot of entrepreneurs. It always starts the same way. It is a personal need where you said, "Man, protein bars are expensive. 
why not me? Why can't I make these myself? Yeah. And then, what, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> um, it was it was a lot of research. I mean, we I was buying um, quest bars, and it was with the help of kind of a few friends that we kind of just try to break them down and see, you know, what ingredients could we buy in the UK that was either equivalent or very similar to. Um, and the whole emphasis at that point was just trying to make something that was, you know, very clean, remove all the artificial sugars and et cetera from it. That, that was kind of our USB at that point. So once uh, you were able to, through through painstaking research and experimentation in your mom's kitchen, you figured out how to make your own protein bar. Yeah. And then you would take that to the gym and sell these, like, out of a duffel bag? It, pretty much. And yeah, people would I, I buy these? Around. Yeah, they would buy them. <laughs> Yeah, looking back, that actually... Uh, yeah, I'm surprised I'd be like, hello, but strange man in a locker room. <laughs> Allow me to buy your homemade protein bar out of your duffel bag. This isn't weird at all. No. No, looking back, I am. I'm stunned anybody actually did buy them. But yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's having that, that confidence um, yeah. in yourself I mean, to try it. But that's great that early on you had, you're able to get that validation and have people um, have your target market right there buying the stuff for cash from you and knowing, okay, there is a market here and you could talk to your customers. There is tremendous yeah. value in having that, that early validation. Mm. But, I'm just trying to think back. I mean, a lot of the way that we kind of grabbed customers at that point as well was, was through Instagram. Um, mm. It was literally you know, going through our competitors' kind of channels, finding their audience. I mean, it was a painstaking process, literally going profile by profile and just trying to find people in the UK and then reach out to them and just yeah, build up a bit of a rapport with them and hope that they would check us out. Yeah, so you would out, literally go book. through, find a protein bar manufacturer who's popular, go yep. through their followers one by one, and yep. if the person was in the UK with you, you would... We would somehow try and reach out. <laughs> and what would you say? It took hours. But I mean, it, it was literally just to build a relationship. You know, we, we never would aim with a direct pitch, and it's, it's very much the same kind of strategy I actually do now. Um, is just to find an audience, go in and just build a rapport, build a relationship. You know, I, I never sell on the first approach. It's just go in and try and add value and hope that they're interested enough to click into your profile and see what you actually get up to. This is brilliant. It's worked remarkably well. It really has. So you start, I, I'm fascinated by this. You start with what is my audience's watering holes? What are their watering Pretty much. holes? And in this case, you said uh, you knew Instagram was a good one. And this yep. is probably because you are you know, one of your own best customers, so you knew where you went, and that gives yep. you a, a big big advantage over someone who's just trying to make a quick buck. Um, and then it had this incredibly clever idea of, well, I got to start with, I got to start somewhere, and you start with one person, and then ten, and then a hundred. And how many people do you think you reached out to? Um, when we were making the protein bars, or now? Uh, you pick. Um, so. In- the protein bars, I mean, geez, I would probably spend at that point probably four hours a day, literally just sat on Instagram, going into profiles, commenting, sending messages, um, and, you know, spend two, three minutes, build up a rapport, come back out and do that with, I don't know, 10, 20 profiles, go back into our comments, refresh, see who'd replied and just go back in and repeat. This is real social media marketing. Like a lot of yeah. people just want, <laughs> they see social media marketing as, man, it, like everybody's doing it, I got to do it and it's free. Well, no, there's, to do it right is a tremendous it takes a lot of work. time commitment, right? Yeah. And but to, when you have no audience and you you're bootstrapping, you don't have the cash to just blow on ads. This yeah. approach is tremendous. And that was kind of the thing when we didn't have you know there was no money. It was just I had time, so it was literally sit on Instagram and just go and find customers one by one. It, it worked phenomenally well, really did. So you've got, and doing that, you were able to sell. You were selling these homemade bars because finding a manufacturer yep. was a nightmare. 
Yep. Yeah, and fi- like finding a manufacturer is a nightmare no matter what you're selling. Trying to do it from, you know, when you're trying to do it with a, a food product, like clearly it complicates things by a factor of 10 here. Yeah, yeah, particularly when we were, we were trying to be so strange on the ingredients, you know, to, to make sure everything, you know, it was grass-fed way, it was all organic ingredients going into the bars. It, that, was, that was hard trying to get anybody, especially contract manufacturers, just to agree to use the ingredients that they didn't hold in-house. Now, the downside here is, you don't actually sell those. You've never got to a place where you were got someone else to manufacture them, where you could sell these bars at scale. Do you? Um, so what happened? You know, the existing website sells a whole bunch of other people's bars. What? Yep. When did that decision happen? So I'm trying to think. I probably stopped manufacturing the the protein bars that we were doing in Mom's Kitchen probably in I'm trying to think. This would have been sort of early early 2015. Um, it was probably around like March time. Um, so at that point, yeah, I kind of took a step back and obviously I, I had some experience building e-commerce stores and Shopify stores, um, and you know, Squarespace sites. So I started kind of doing that for people locally, you know, just small businesses, just picking up work where, where I could, um, just trying to figure something out for that period until I could figure out, you know, either one, how do I raise the money or how do I do it in the U S and get around, you know, the delays with shipping. Um, yeah, it, it did. It kind of came full circle. I came back to thinking about it again and really think about how do I revert, reverse the whole process and build the audience first and sell the product later. So I think it was around August. I kind of just got set up one night and just, yeah, I, I put posted protein in, bought the domain. That was just literally, you know, what do I want to do? Post protein bars. Okay, that'll do. Let's just pick that name and go with it. It was available. Um, it was available on all social channels, so I just grabbed it everywhere. Um, I'm really trying to think from where we went from there. And we, yeah, I, I reached how out to a distributor. Get, yeah, I was going to say, how did you get the product to sell? Yeah, so we reached out to a distributor in the UK that was selling Quest bars at the time. They were importing them. Obviously, they got far better rates because <laughs> they were buying them by the, literally by the truckload. Um, I bought four boxes of bars. I set up an Instagram post that went out on, I want to say it was like October 8th or something like that. Put the store up live. It was nothing fancy. It really wasn't. It, I think I'm trying to think. We used the supply theme, I think, to start with. Okay. Which is just a free Shopify yeah, one of the theme. Yeah, Shopify themes. Yep. Yeah, set that up. It was literally, there were 12 different bars that you could go in and buy and it was two pound a bar i think free shipping was over 15 pounds at the time um and yeah within that first day off the back of one instagram post again it was it was a lot of just reaching out one-on-one to people using hashtags and trying to get people to engage and then you know as soon as they liked the photo just going into their profile and trying to recapture them while we had attention hmm. yeah and yeah i think yeah the first day we did about 60 pounds and it was like okay well that works <laughs> let's let's go do that again just repeat how big so at the so you did you take you had an Instagram audience you had built. You had. Oh, uh, this access. was actually brand new. So you started fresh with a new brand started name fresh. and new audience. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow! You built yeah. the audience and then decided, ah, I could do it again. Kind of. In retrospect, I really should have just yeah rebranded the old one, kind of explained to people what I was doing. I think at that point, you know, I was still kind of hoping that I could somehow come back to do the posted protein thing and the the protein bar manufacturing side by side, but that didn't really work. So you had you start day one, you managed to get sixty orders. Uh, 60 pounds. 60 pounds. Yeah, which I think, actually, I'll probably bring up, but I think it was probably five or six orders. You know, it wasn't crazy, but it was enough to, you know, a, a bare bones website with you know, no reviews, no nothing. And, you know, we managed to do that on day one. Like, okay, well, that clearly that works. Like, we just need to increase this. Well, most people would struggle when they launch their store to get a sale on day one, let alone five or six sales. So it's actually. It is a much larger achievement than someone who hasn't done it would realize because it is so yeah. tough to market yourself, especially when on day one, you're starting with a brand new brand that no one has ever heard yep. of. 
Yeah, there's no reviews, there's no history, there's nothing. Okay, so what, you saw that initial success. You said, all right, I've got enough traction here to be encouraged. What do you do then? Um, so at that point, it really became, you know, how do I build a website out? And again, you know, I'm spending all day, again, kind of just sat on Instagram, packing orders, shipping them out, and then of an evening, literally just sit on Instagram and do that sort of one-to-one marketing. Again, you're trying to not spend any cash, but I've got time, so let's just take the time. Um, and were you still an airplane, working as an airplane mechanic at this time? No, so I'd left that. When I kind of started doing the web design work in early in 2015, I left that. So you were able uh, to, okay. So you were able to switch to uh, self-employment, professional services, and then use that, that uh, money and experience and you know, agency over your own free time to then invest that into building your own brand. Exactly that. Brilliant. Yeah, so I've really just stripped things down as much as possible, you know, in terms of my day-to-day expenses, just how much can I pull it down and just how much can I put back into the business? You know, how much do I actually have to draw off this? I love it. So we've got, once you've sold, you've got, you did day one, you sell, uh, you get your five or six orders. Now, then what? What do you do next? So that was, so that was around October time. So I think for those, right. it was sort of October, November, December, I think in January we started, so we started with just Quest. In January we started adding more brands. Um, and again, that was just through the same distributor. So a lot of that was, you know, we, we would list them. We wouldn't actually go out and buy them, but we knew from the distributor we could get them next day. So if a customer placed an order, um, we would literally just go out, buy the bars, bring them in, and just ship them straight out. And, you know, we would kind of explain that the shipping would take three or four days. You couldn't get next day shipping. And they were cool with this? Uh, yeah, most were absolutely fine. And what was the... When you're selling, when you're reselling other people's stuff, what's the competitive advantage here or the unique selling proposition? Why are they buying from you versus going to the store or using Amazon? Um, so for us, I mean, we, I, I'm trying to go back to this. Um, so we started very much with a sort of pick and mix model where you could go on, you know, take, take Quest Bars at the time. There were about 20 different flavors of bars that you could buy. Um, but the only way you could buy them was in boxes of 12. So if you, you know, if you bought a flavor, you spent 25 pounds on one flavor, you got them, you received them, you tried one and you hated them, you were kind of stuck with the other 11. Whereas we split it down and said, okay, how do you pick a mix of bar? You know, how can we build your own personal box of 12? So from uh, October, you start with one thing, one product you're selling. By January, you're selling, um, you've got a wider variety and it's the availability. It's essentially being able to build your own sample pack that is attracting people to it and the convenience. Um, so really, mm-hmm. like you're, what you're offering people is uh, a form of risk reversal. Like you don't have to buy a giant bulk pack of one flavor and hate it. You could buy uh, mix and match, right? Exactly that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, from in that uh, interim, as you're spinning things up, how was the how how was the business going? How were uh, what was that that period like? Um, it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. That that was tough. You know, traction was definitely slow, and I, I think. I'm really trying to think back. I, mean, I could probably pull this data if you want. Um, Dad, do you want me to do that? Do you want me to just try and find what we did in sales back then? You know, if you want to share numbers, absolutely. That would be, yeah, would be powerful. All right, let's have a look. Um, okay, so October, we've got total sales were 1,200 pounds that first month. Okay, and then what was it in January, the following January? Let's have a look. So January, that was just shy of 3,000 pounds. So it was, you know, it was slow burn. So it's that it was very triple. much, there is, the important thing to note here is there is no overnight success. It's just, it's stacking the bricks. I would imagine, yeah. is there any point between then and now that you just have this like phenomenal hockey stick or is it just steady month over month it's, growth? 
it's really been just steady month over month growth. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at our progress over the last year, and you know, we got 120% growth just over the last 12 months. That's excellent. But it's, yeah, I think a lot of people in their head have this vision of, oh, if I just do the one just right do this. thing, yep. it'll just take off like a rocket ship. And it isn't the yeah. case. It is much, it's, it's never been that. It's yeah. just been, yeah, really slow, like one brick, just one more, add one more, keep going, push one more. <laughs> yeah, the, oftentimes the most important thing is, is just is showing up and doing the work and being consistent yes. about it. Um, but, you know, there are certainly tools. This is the stuff that people love or are the tools, the features, the things that have helped you grow. I love this idea of, hey, we've got, you could build your own sample pack um, and mix and match stuff. Uh, I've recommended this to a, uh, a few clients lately as a, as a, a tactic to especially like mm-hmm. introduce new customers to the product in a reduced risk way. Um, and I'm looking at your site. If I go uh, pick grenade bars, pick and mix, 12 carb killer protein bars, you have used uh, an app that looks like uh, Bold Product Options or Shop exactly. Infinite Options, one of those, uh, where you've got 12 drop downs, each label, yep. flavor, one, two, three, four, et cetera. And then from that, yep. you pick each of your flavors. And in doing that, the person is able to easily, in one product listing, pick. Uh, in a bit of personalization, what they want in their pack, and then add that to cart and buy it, right? Exactly that, yeah. That's very cool. So on that topic, what the, do you have any other f- favorite apps that have helped you grow? Uh, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, we actually, we were using Infinite Options for probably the first year or so. We only recently actually switched over to Product Options by Bolt. Um, and again, that was just a free app that just allowed us to do all of that. Um, I'm trying to think. We switched over to product options purely because actually, like our inventory wasn't being tracked, and that was kind of the biggest thing for us. Was you know, as we were growing, you know, as you went through and selected those 12 bars, they may all be different. You'd put the order in, and it would just come through effectively as a note on the product, and then we'd have to go through and manually update the inventory to deduct. You know, you bought one banana, one caramel, one chocolate, and that became a real struggle. Trying to keep up with that daily and just make sure that we run running out of product. Um, which is actually why we speak to product options by Bolt. And that was purely through a conversation with Jay on Twitter just to see <laughs> if if that was possible. Um, if we could, you know, we didn't want to confuse the customer too much by having a load of hidden products that were showing up then in the cart and then in checkout. Um, and Jay, um, particularly a guy called Cole, who works at Bolt, really, I, I don't quite know how, <laughs> um, managed to implement, because we're not on Plus, managed to hide those hidden options on Shopify for us, which is awesome. No, oh, very cool. Yeah, I also noticed uh, reviews seem to be important here. If I yep. look at yeah, your products, judge me for that. And again, that that's performed so well for us. I think that that's one's fifteen dollars a month. Yeah, cool. Yeah, looking at um, yeah, one of your products, you've got like three hundred forty-two reviews, five stars, two hundred forty-nine reviews, five stars on some of these. I mean, that's really tremendous social proof that people can get. Yeah. I mean, we think we don't we don't hide any reviews. You know, if there's any negative ones there, they're all posted. Um, I'm, I'm kind of pleased to say we don't get many, but it, it can often look the way that we're just allowing five star reviews to go through. But there really are. We've just been kind of obsessed of how do we how do we keep making the process better? You know, if if we screw up and you know, particularly take the, the pick and mix stuff, if we run out of product, um, it's it's really on us to jump on email or reach or text the customer as soon as we know about it. Um, and then we'll either offer them, you know, something additional to their order, or we'll give them five percent off their next order, or we'll upgrade their shipping. Um, and again, that that's always been kind of just obsessing over the longer term. You know, if we can win that customer back for another order, you know, we'll make up the difference in order two, three, four, five, and six. I all right. 
two things I want to unpack there. Number one, um, you talked about the importance of customer service, and clearly this is important to you as you've made it part of the brand identity. The tagline yep. of the site attached to the logo, which is a great place to put it because it guarantees everybody reads it, it's on every page, is obsessed with customer service. Yep. Interesting choice. I have very rare to see that as a, a tagline and selling position. Um, how did that come to pass, and how are you how are you delivering on that promise? Um, so really, that, well, that became. I, I think you answered the second part with like, man, we're going to make it right <laughs> no matter what. But kind of, yeah. You know, some um, of that. So, yeah, yeah. Really, that that became how do we differentiate ourselves from from the Amazons? You know, we knew at some point, you know, whether it was doing the pick and mix or whatever we were doing, we were kind of building the roadmap for somebody else to come in and either copy it or somebody else was going to do it anyway. So it's, you know, if we can do the pick and mix, we can do, you, you can come and buy your trial sizes and everything else and get it all in one place. How do we still differentiate ourselves? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, so it did. Again, how do we differentiate ourselves from <clears throat> from the Amazons? And that had to be a customer service, you know, and very much just the human touch to it. So, you know, take the, the Instagram where it's, you know, it's not just, ads were physically reaching well not physically but reaching out individually right. to each person um and again you know every time we get an order in we use kit to send out thank you messages um which again perform so well for us it's crazy and again that, that's a totally free service um there's no sales pitch it's just a hey thank you so much anything we can do for you just shoot us a message back you know we're not trying to sell anything it's just we're here reach out um same with every order that goes out we write a little handwritten thank you note again just thank you for your order and then as you kind of go through and we, you know you hit your fifth sixth seventh order either you know the message changes as we kind of get to know the customers more and more and we do you know as we kind of get to know them on instagram we get to know them on twitter you know there's only two of us in the business so we, we do get quite familiar with the customers that so you've and got that's that's hard to scale but <laughs> <laughs> and on instagram i see you've got um you've got twelve thousand followers uh you said there's only two of you how are you tackling order fulfillment without you know, how are you how are you dealing with order fulfillment and customer service and being able to scale those things? It's it's definitely hard. Um, it is hard. Um, you know, even up until about two three months ago, you could go through checkout and you could choose whoever you wanted to ship your order with. And so we had Royal Mails, Hermes, DPT. I think we had a fourth option, um, which was great for the customer and you know super handy for them. But it meant you know at the end of the day, or you know in the afternoon when we were actually trying to pack and pick and ship orders out that we were then trying to split orders into four different piles. Some would be collected. Others we'd have to run to a depot kind of three miles away. Others were two minutes around the corner. And, you know, all that different cutoff time. So we were just running all over the place trying to get these orders and parcels to the right places at the right time. Um, we've actually simplified that in the last month where it's just standard or express. There's two options, um, which made things so much easier on our end. So the uh, in terms of shipping options, I often see this where... Because Shopify makes it easy to do carrier-calculated shipping and ad shipping, people yep. will go one of two strategies. There is either an overabundance of shipping options where they create this like choice paralysis where I log in and like UPS barfs <laughs> out 12 shipping options and FedEx <laughs> gives me eight and USPS gives me six. I'm like, what? And then it sorts them all by price. It's really, it can be very confusing. So I want a it, limited yeah. set of shipping options. But people also have opinions on shipping. They want to know, like, man, are you sending this thing carrier pigeon? Or, like, what is, what's the deal here? What am I paying for? What do you think is the right way to handle shipping rules? So I, I've struggled with that a lot. I went back and forth on it a lot um, before we actually switched it over. Um, so we, we use uh, two, two carriers in particular, which is Royal Mail and Hermes here in the UK for the, the majority of our parcels. Um, Hermes has for years had a, a bit of a stigma attached to it 
um, it's been sort of contract self-employed drivers um, and it, it's just had a really bad reputation for non-deliveries. That's gotten so much considerably better over the last, I'd say, 12 months since we signed up to them. Um, we get probably one in a thousand parcels goes missing, touch wood. Um, but there, there was still such a stigma attached to it that a lot of customers would email us, you know, and just like, who else can we use? Or can you bring the, the rate of Royal Mail down to match Hermes? And obviously we couldn't without making a loss on the shipping. Um, and weirdly, since, you know, since we've taken the option away and really, I just wanted to try it for a month and just see, you know, the conversions go down where people, because they didn't have the, the option of who to pick would conversions drop and it hasn't if anything it's gone up where we've just simplified that process taken taken the choice out of it removed that friction um and it's like we're just not losing parcels thankfully i like this idea there's an overarching theme here of simplify 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 yeah um, that you're using to scale this business um and i think that's and it's on both sides it's it's for you as well as for the customer that you seek to simplify and i think um, I think that's very, it's clever and admirable because it is very easy to get sucked into every article, tip, tool, podcast, I'm sorry, self, um, <laughs> with, and hear all this advice and then these apps that I got to get this and that. And then you just, you end up just fiddling all day instead of doing the consistent real work. And it, you end up with just this tremendous, complicated, technical debt problem of a website yep. that doesn't sell anything. And so and having, it can be so tempting. Yeah, oh, yeah. You just go to the app store. You can look through the, the, the top most popular apps in each category. It can be so tempting to just go through and I'll let that one. I'll try that one for a week. And then I'll try that one because that didn't quite fit this feature. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you got, might need so 80% of it. Like nine times out of 10, you just don't need all of it. I remember once I needed a very specific feature set in an upsell app for a client to do what we wanted. And as yeah. far as I know, none, none do this. The, what I wanted was to trigger an upsell based on a specific variant and then I wanted the offered product to be a specific variant. And as far as I could tell, none of them do this. Um, the though I did, I submitted it as a feature request to Bold, um, <laughs> and they do it on like one side. I forgot which side uh, in that scenario. But anyway, so I like I audited literally ten apps, and I didn't find one that did exactly what I wanted. It was a giant boondoggle waste of time. It turned out, yeah. and we just ended up custom building what we needed ourselves. And that's what I. Be, but I'm like, I don't want to w- spend the time on that. I'll mess with these apps. I spent as much yeah. time with the apps as it did to build the custom solution. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> but I think what happens is it's a slot machine approach. Like I'm like, man, I'll just find the one app that will do exactly what I want for my unicorn edge case scenario. And yeah. like I should have known better. And even I fell victim to it. Um, and I think the same is true you know, of, of many Shopify merchants where it's easy to treat that app store like a slot machine where you go, I'm just going to get the one right app that hockey sticks my revenue overnight. And that, it's exactly that. It can be so tempting to just go in and think, well, this this one app is going to make all the difference. And they all it, promise that. And it's like, well, they that's, all promise it. Yeah. And even Which like I do the same thing. It's nothing on the app developer as a tool. You know, it's, it's on the way us app, sorry, us merchants actually use those apps. You know, they can only go so far. Yeah. They're all they're all tools in a toolbox. Um, exactly. And then you end up with this big cluttered mess. And essentially, it's a form of it's procrastination. Um, yeah. But so having that discipline that you've had and that simplicity, living a simple life and a simple business, really like. It, takes tremendous discipline. That's what's so interesting about it. But all right, talking yes. about um, on the topic of mindset, you from uh, talking to you in the, the pre-interview and following you on Twitter, you believe in a strategy called the 5149 strategy. What the hell is that? 
Um, so again, this this comes back very much to what I was doing on Instagram in the early days, and really, I didn't ever use the call of anything. It was actually a Gary V like podcast I was listening to at one point, and he he kept banging on about this this fifty one forty nine. I'm like, okay, what is that? And it's it's literally what I've been doing, which is going into Instagram, just try and provide value. You're not going in and trying to sell anybody at all. Like just let you go in and have a conversation with the people that are in the demographic you're trying to reach. Doesn't have to be salesy. It just needs to grab their attention and give them something. Whether that's entertainment, whether that's pointing them in the right direction, um, and we actually did that a lot. Thinking back um, to the early days again, you know, if we didn't have a product, and it seems totally alien to do this, if we didn't carry a product, but someone wrote to us on Instagram and said, you know, either can you stock it or where can we get it? Like, well, we don't have it at the moment. We may in the future, but if you go to XYZ store, they do. And that, that seems so counterintuitive, it's bananas. But I, again, I can't tell you how well that worked to the point that you know, if we got that product in stock in two months time, we'd reach back out to that customer. I'd, I'd literally just make a note on my phone of the person's handle, um, what the product was they were after, and in two months time, just reach back out and like, hey, we now stock this. If you're still interested, you know, here's 5% off to get you started. And again, that, that just worked so well. Because but it's, it, it's constantly just trying to give, give more value to the other person than you're trying to take. And the reason, I love this idea, um, the reason it works is the bar for people's the bar the expectations that people have of you as a service provider whether you're selling a product um, or running an app or doing professional service whatever it is is unbelievably low. So if you you said man all I did was set a reminder and you know follow up with them, that's more than ninety nine percent of people would do. So if yeah. you just what you did was uh, it's, I phrase it as give more value than you take. And this is yeah. Shopify Unite a year ago. That's, uh, or I think at the first Shopify Unite, maybe. I know there's there's been three of them. Um, COO Harley Finkelstein. That was his uh, his approach. Is we're going to give more value than we take, and that's everything they do. And they have delivered on that promise. Um, they always share like, here's how much revenue the merchants make. Here's how much revenue partners make, and it's always more than what Shopify itself is taking. So they're saying, hey, yeah. we're giving more value than you take, and you can apply this to all kinds of rules and spaces in your life. But it's just it, it's give more give more than you ask for is how Gary V phrased it, and that's yeah. what you're doing. It's just like you're provi- you're saying, or he'll phrase it as jab 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 right hook right hook. So there you go. Del- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you reach out on Instagram and you're like, hey, you know, you just get their attention with value and not ask for anything in return three times, and then on the fourth time say, and here's a coupon code. Exactly that, and so nine times out of ten, people will just they get curious enough that they will just click into your profile, see what you're up to, and they'll just hit the follow button just because they're purely interested. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, if you go through most people's most people's um, Instagram profiles and you actually look at the photos, most people aren't getting that much engagement, you know, or that many comments. So if you actually go in and provide something authentic, you know, you actually pick up on a detail in the photo, compliment them on something, like that makes such an impact to most people. Ah, uh, uh, there's a thing there you said though was comment on a detail so you'll see you know the spam comment the drive-by comments that are just like this is amazing photograph you're like uh you've got to go beyond it yeah what (laughs) like if the (laughs) if the comment could apply to literally anything you know it's it's spam and people they sniff it out versus the radar is so high for it yeah because it like no one wants to Everyone wants to circumvent the system and not put in the work. Well, you know what's yeah. easier than trying to figure out a way to, like, spam 10,000 profiles just to have no effect? You know, have 1% follow back? It would be much yeah. easier to just make genuine comments on 100. And then what percent of those are going to follow back? Like, and how much time did that take? That's the better approach. Yeah. That's the idea. Um, and in that respect, I know you're active in the, the Shopify ecosystem. How... Uh, 
and that that's part of this um you know this idea of of giving back it's uh asking giving more than you ask for how has that impacted you that's been huge. I mean, particularly um, the Shopify Entrepreneurs Group on, on Facebook. Kennedy the Jonathan Kennedy Carson, setup. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that thing is it, exploding with the number of people are on there. But yeah, last I looked, 80,000 people. I mean, just tremendous. Is it really? I believe Jeez, I the last time I looked, it was high. about 70. <laughs> but no, like, that, that has been such a phenomenal resource for us. And again, just trying to reach out and help people that are just getting started. But, you know, I, I've gone through so many times and just used the search bar on the left-hand side um, on desktop. I'm sure it's different on mobile. Um, and just to go through on points we're struggling on, and you can pick up topics from you know a year, two ago, drop straight in, and again, nine times out of ten, someone will write you back, someone will comment back with either how things have changed, how an app has d- developed, and how there's new feature sets that will actually now solve that problem. There's so much content there and so much material that you can keep going back to. It, it's it's such a resource, and I I wish people would use it more. I really do. It is it is tremendous, and having there's so much stuff in there. Um, and it's not just, you know, Jonathan Kennedy running it. If you look at the moderators, it's Moderate, a, a yeah. wide variety of people, including, um, I believe, Shopify's own uh, Michael Perry, from who runs Kit, is uh, director of product. Yeah. He's uh, he's a moderator in there. Like, it, it is a genuine um, independent community of 80,000 merchants and partners. That is the coolest thing. Mm. And going, you're right, I, when I've, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm friends with Jonathan Kennedy. Um, and the I've talked to him several times. I'm like, man, what's one thing you want to change about your group? Because I wish people would use the search box because it's really buried in there. Uh, but buried. oftentimes, like the whatever question you have, you're not the first person to have that question. There's usually no. it it's in there. Um, you can find it, and yeah, it's buried like in the left column. Search this group above. Yeah, it, it's not obvious. Um, but yeah, that's it is just join that group and just try try searching out something like whatever mm. your biggest pain problem is. Um, and as long as you're at that, you may as well join the unofficial Shopify podcast Insiders Club. That's got two ton of value as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, significantly smaller, uh, at two thousand members, I believe, but uh, still good, and I am quite active there. Well, but, you, you say that. I mean, you've been trying to convince—not directly, you don't know this—but you've been trying to convince me to switch over to Clavio. Clavio, I always get this wrong. Um, you know, but, I don't even remember anymore. I'm going to go with—I <laughs> believe Clavio. Clavio, let's is go with the that. Official one, or it could yeah. be Clavio. Eh, one of the two. You know what? It's one of the two. <laughs> Whatever gets you to sign up for it. <laughs> but literally, we've been using Mailchimp ever since um, we started, which has been fine, um, and you know it's done well for us every time we send out a campaign. But the automation side of things is very much lacking. And literally, I think three, four days ago, I finally just set up Clavio. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, and I'm finally, you know, actually starting to appreciate. Okay, how much value is here, and particularly with the flows, you know, how can we reach back out to people and just segment things so again that we're providing more value into people's inboxes rather than just spamming them every two weeks with a, a new product or a new campaign. Right, and that's what's cool about automation is it makes the marketing yeah. more relevant. You get the right message to the right person at the right time, as opposed to the shotgun approach that typical um, email marketing takes, and that gives it a a bad rap. Uh, all right. So you have, you uh, even though you have bootstrapped this business, have you ever had to borrow cash? Yeah. So okay. We did. We did you once. Did. And that was, oh was, my was gosh! Only, it was only by choice. <laughs> um, so again, that was that was just going through. Once we built built the site, you know, it was going the right way. The pick and mixes have gone the right way. Um, the, the biggest thing that was you know, slowing us down was order fulfillment and actually just getting product out the door. And you know, we were spending so much time just emailing customers because either 
by the time they placed their order and we went to get it from the distributor, the distributor had sold out. So we had to go back to the customer and offer them you know, another selection. You know, would you like to swap your three bars for something else? Which became a lot of back and forth. It takes you know, a lot of time to reach out and again, you're hoping that the customer sees that email. Um, so it really became how can we how can we get more product in so we can just get it out faster and again without without borrowing too ton of money without trying to approach investors and building a whole pitch and a business plan like that I, I didn't want to do that personally I wanted to have that control um, so we've been using PayPal Payments Pro or I think it's called PayFlow Pro now they updated the name um, and through that we had access to they let us know that we had access to a platform called PayPal Working Capital which is effectively a merchant cash advance. So they take all your sales data, there's no credit report, there's no credit run through an agency or anything like that. It's purely just based on the data that they have from you. Um, and yeah, they, they offered us a, a cash advance um, that we could then repay at percentage intervals on every transaction, whether that was 10, 20 or 30%. So it, the way, my understanding, of, uh, if I'm getting this right, the way PayPal Capital works, which is cool, you, you're pre-approved because it knows your transaction history. So it's exactly. like, based on this transaction history, we're perfectly comfortable lending you this. It's instant um, to get approved. Yeah. I don't know what the interest rate is, but it, it was reasonable. Um, it was it was very reasonable. I mean, so we, we started looking, just for comparison's sake, you know, what else could we get? And we looked at a bunch of other, you know, bank loans, other sort of on-demand um, loans that were in a similar sort of space, other merchant, merchant cash advantages. And I must admit, PayPal actually came up the cheapest. Yeah, and then you. Do, I think it's like it's it's prime rate. Um, it seems to be where it's pegged to, and then they uh, you don't actually pay them back in ter- like in a typical sense. They take a percentage of payments you receive, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it it is a cool way um, to to tackle that to be able to borrow money and not worry about it. Uh, all right, lightning question. What's cool. the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the one thing that scares you about your business? Ooh, I said lightning question. That's hard. Um, really, it's it's how we keep scaling without taking on debt, and that that's kind of been the hardest thing. And you that's know, that's what's interesting is you've like we want to build a durable, stable business, and one of the things you're trying to avoid is taking on too much debt because it's a liability. And then, but then it's like, well, it's a tool to grow. So yeah, it, mm. it, you wrestle with it. You do, yeah. We we constantly do. You know, we we take on so much, and we try and agree payment terms with the suppliers. Um, and again, yeah, that's really been a big part of what we've achieved is working with distributors, with brands, is it just slowly over the course of the last two years is build those relationships. You know, again, that, that's helped so much. I mean, they've given us so much leeway, um, you know, whether that's free product or marketing support or, you know, shout outs on their social channels. It's It's been huge for us. That really has. And again, it's just been through building those relationships just slowly. So some of the the key wrapping it up, some of the key takeaways I'm getting here are um, you get there's there's no overnight success. It's stacking the bricks. It's just showing up and doing the work consistently, taking a long term view. If you want a durable long term business, you have to have a a long term view, and invest in relationships. And you do that by giving more than you're asking for. Um, and then third, uh, well, I think well no, those are my two primary takeaways. I don't have a third takeaway. <laughs> well, my, my third takeaway is you you do what you're comfortable with. I mean, it, it's your business. Run it the way you want. I like this approach is similar to my own, so I like it a lot. But this doesn't mean it's right for everybody. It suits our personalities, our way of living. So I like mm. that. Um, I think that would be my, my third key takeaway there. Um, but we, 
we were talking lastly about the, that ecosystem and how it's helped you. You have a, a special offer uh, that you wanted to, to use to give back to the community. What was it? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, I, I know how hard this is to get started, and it, it is a slow burn. They, for most merchants, you, you're just not going to see that hockey stick growth that you think you are. Despite how many apps you think you can install, it, it's, it's not going to happen. So, you know, in, in that vein, if there's anybody that just wants to jump on Twitter, I'm a Simply Tom on Twitter, um, and just tweet me. If you just want to jump on the phone for a half hour to an hour, I will more than happily sit down and just try and help you out and just go through anything I can. Anything I can give you and teach you that I've picked up over the last two and a half years, I'm more than happy to do so. Very good. Tom, it has been fantastic. You're an inspiration. I hope I hope the success continues its, its slow, steady march. And thank you. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com turbo. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.